get this here. It is, uh, it is great to be here. As Dennis said, my name is Tim. I'm our Whitesburg campus pastor. So let me uh, kind of get you up to date of what God is doing in Whitesburg. Um, today, actually, we are one year um, and six months old as a campus. And what we have seen God do has just been amazing. We have seen God uh, rescue and save uh, each and every month. Uh, we have seen marriages restored that seem no hope whatsoever. Um, addictions to uh, drugs and gambling um, broken. We've also people take next steps. Uh, Joey McKinney um, is a perfect example. He was, uh, he's our worship leader. Um, he was part of our original launch team, um, and he is preaching for us today in Wattsburg, and this makes like the fifth time um, that he has preached. So God is moving. God is using people. Um, so when you give, I just want to say um, thank you because of your generosity, we're able to plant campuses. And here's the thing. We're not done. Wattsburg's just the beginning. There's more areas in eastern Kentucky to reach by you give. Your generosity allows us to reach people far from God. So I just want to take this time and just say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you give. So we are in this series called Launch. So what we've been talking about is finding God's vision for our lives. Not just finding it, but just being active in pursuing that vision. So on week one, we talked about the invitation that Jesus offers us to come to him for rest. And then in week two, um, we talked about what is God's vision for our lives. And we said what God's vision is for your life is for us to be a disciple. And we define a disciple as someone who follows Jesus, who offers their head, heart, and hands to his service. And then last week, we talked about one principle. One principle that we could use that will allow us to step into and find that vision that God has for our life. And what that principle was, was for us to own our faith, to take responsibility for our relationship with Jesus. Um, does anybody here make New Year's resolutions? Did you make one this year? Nobody? Just, just me? Okay. Um, here we are a month into it. Um, I used to make a lot of resolutions. I went four years in a row. Um, I didn't make it out of the month of January, so I thought just for my own self-esteem, I would quit. Um, for three years in a row, I was going to learn a foreign language. So I jumped out. Year one was going to be Spanish, so I bought all the software, bought the material. I made it about three weeks before I just quit. The following year, I was going to, I thought, Spanish doesn't work for me. Maybe it's something different, so I'll try Italian. Lasted about two weeks. Didn't learn anything. Can't speak a word. And I was like, you know, I'm just not challenging myself enough. I just need to push myself. I need to do something really challenging. So I was going to learn Russian. Two days, y'all. Two days. I quit. So apparently, you know, trying to learn a foreign language, that's not going to be my thing. So the following year, what I was going to do, I was going to get in shape. I mean, I was going to get shredded, kind of like the people you see on Instagram who Photoshop. I mean, just get insanely shredded. That was going to be my goal. So I had some friends who were really into lifting. So I really hadn't lifted any before, but I'd jump right in like a champion because I'm a man. I don't want them to think less than me because I don't work out. So whatever the sets that they did, that's what I'd done. The amount of reps that they did, that's what I'd done, and I felt great. I experienced the sensation of the pump. And what that is, if I'm honest with you, is that your body lies to you and tells you that your muscles are much, much bigger than what they actually are. See, I was convinced at this moment that I put on like 10 pounds of lean muscle mass. And I couldn't believe why people didn't lift. Because if you're not lifting, you're losing is the way I thought about it. And then I woke up the next morning. And I realized why no one should ever lift. <clears throat> the following morning when I tried to wake up and pull the covers off me, it was at that moment I realized I had made a terrible, terrible mistake. I have felt pain that I had never felt before in my life. So I'm trying to push myself up out of bed. When I do, I take my left arm and kind of push myself up to sit up straight. 
I had pain in my tricep. Like somebody took a knife, stuck me in the back of the arm, and twisted the blade. So I'm thinking, man, I am in really trouble. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a hard time just getting through this day. So I thought, you know what would help me? A hot shower. Because hot showers help everything. If you're sick, take a shower. I just, this, is, this is my thought process. Um, it doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. So what I found was, apparently because of the pain, I guess I'd lost track of time. And then I started to notice that the water was getting colder. And I still hadn't finished washing my hair. So I go and I grab the shampoo. I'm getting ready to wash my hair. And I raise my arms up. And this is as high as I can get my arms without it feeling like my arms are going to rip off. I mean, I am in pain. I'm up against it now because all of a sudden the water's getting cold and I can't wash my hair. So I have to bend my head down into my hands and rub my head into my hands to wash my hair. Don't work out. It's just not worth it. It's just dumb. Enjoy Pantry Chef donuts. Just just don't work out. You see, I never finished any of my resolutions because I had a bad start. Um, If you're here this morning, you think God can't use you because of your past or some current situation that you're going through. I am so glad that you are here this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, let's open up. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. This is Apostle Paul writing. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So here we have the last letter that Paul writes. And Paul's kind of writing this to his spiritual son, Timothy. Now, Paul is in a Roman prison. What Paul knows is that his life is about to end. So when we read a text like this, we don't think much about it. This is kind of what Paul does. This is the greatest missionary of the Christian faith. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. Of course Paul's going to say something like this. See, Paul knows that death is coming. What he's doing, he's encouraging, he's teaching Timothy, hang in there, finish this out, follow me. See, but if we take a look at how Paul started things, see, what that should do, it makes this text even more spectacular. In the process, it should give us hope. See, we're introduced in Acts chapter 7, toward the end, beginning of 8, of a young man named Saul from Tarsus. And Saul witnesses and approves the, um, the martyrdom, the stoning of Stephen. And then in Acts chapter 9, Paul gets approval to have men and women arrested for following Jesus, trying to destroy the church. And then in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. See, Saul has an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it was at that very moment that everything changed for him, becoming the Apostle Paul. See, what Paul's life does, it shows us that Jesus is more concerned with how you finish than where you begin. That Paul goes from trying to destroy the church 
to have men and women arrested for following Jesus, to him himself following Jesus, and it cost him his life. So what can you and I, what can we take away from the life of Paul leading into 2018? One point for us today. And it is where you start doesn't determine your finish. See, one of the most reoccurring things that I hear when people talk about coming to church or they talk about um, trying to get to know Jesus or hear anything mentioned about him is I need to work some things out first. So there are some things in my life that I probably need to fix first and then I might come to Jesus. See, the problem is there's nowhere in the Bible where you have someone come to Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, I hear what you're saying about forgiveness of sins. And, and, and my wife's cousin, you know, he was blind since birth, and I know that you restored sight to him. And my neighbor, they were there when you fed 5,000 were practically nothing. See, but Jesus, I have some things in my life that I need to work out first, and then I might can follow you. See, if you was to read that, you would think that person's an idiot. But we do this all the time with God. Well, I'm just too messed up. Well, if I went to church, I mean, cave in or catch on fire, I'll be straight with you all. If that was the case, this place would be up in flames right now because of me. So if you think that way, I got a question. Who told you this? Who told you that you need to work some things out first to kind of clean yourself up first before you meet Jesus? Jesus didn't tell you that. See, this is not what Scripture teaches. It's not the gospel message. See, the gospel is Jesus meets us where we're at in our sin, in the mess. And here's the thing. Jesus is not afraid of the mess. So this thought process kind of comes from one or two places. Um, first is this. We need to understand we have a spiritual enemy. You have an adversary. That Satan is real. He's not a concept. He's not a theory. He is a created being who hates you. See, he knows that his future is sealed at Christ's return. And what he offers and what Jesus offers us is forgiveness and mercy. So you're hearing things like, you, you'll never get over this. See, God can't use you. You can't be forgiven. See, the Bible describes uh, Satan as the accuser. So when you hear those voices, he'll always say, you. The second place this comes from is from herself. See, there's a lot of times that we are our own worst enemy. See, I would dare say that no one has lied to you more than you have. And no one has let you down more than you have. I know this is true for me. So I don't know how many times I'll say, God, I'm just not going to do that again, only to turn right around and do it again about one day later. I mean it this time. I'm not going to do it again. I can do this, only to fail again. So all of a sudden, so I just don't know what I'm going to try for. I can't do this. Does that sound familiar? So we'll kind of let this weird reverse sense of pride stop us from believing that forgiveness and second chances are for us. It may be for other people, but it's not for us. See, I'm just jacked up. I'm just a mess. Um, if that's you, welcome. You're at the right place because we're all jacked up. We're all a mess. And you might just find yourself a home here. This is what the gospel says. The gospel says you and I, we cannot. But Jesus did. When you look at how Paul meets Jesus, Paul didn't come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, do you see where I've been? You know what I've been doing, Jesus. I've been having men and women arrested for following you. What do you mean, just what, what, what do you want with me? Is there some things I need to do first? I mean, do I need to read scripture for a couple hours a day? Is there a certain amount of times I need to pray to get your approval? How many times do I need to go to a temple per week so you'll love me? See, there was none of that. Jesus just meets Paul exactly where he is. 
And Paul is never the same. See, when Jesus shows you who he is, and at that moment you see what your soul was created for, it changes everything. Paul does one thing that if we apply to our lives will completely change your life for 2018. And that's not just hype. I really believe this. See, Paul done one thing. Paul embraced grace. He embraced it. He didn't question why it wouldn't work for him or why he didn't deserve it. He just embraced it. He lived and he operated in it. See, Paul knew that he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit was in him and he was different. So we talked about this in our series more about the power of the Holy Spirit, which means for followers of Jesus, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in now who those who would believe, which means you're not ordinary that the greatest source of power in the universe is in you and that you're not doing life alone in this. See, Paul realized that life wasn't about him. Holy Spirit helps you there. He lets you know that life is not about you, that it's all about Jesus and the process making you free. See, Paul was one of the freest people that you'll read about in Scripture. See, if they arrested Paul and they beat Paul, he would praise Jesus that he got to suffer like Christ did. If they put him in jail, he would just convert guards and sing hymns. If they threatened to kill him, he would get excited because he knew that he was going to be with Jesus. So if you want freedom this morning, you need to embrace grace. See, Paul understood he didn't deserve any of this. That he had done horrible things that he writes about in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and Galatians 1, where he calls himself a blasphemer, a persecutor of the church, trying to destroy the church. See, but Paul did not let his past prevent him from doing what Jesus has called him to do. See, dwelling on your past, focusing on your hang-ups, and living in self-pity will imprison you and make you completely ineffective for Jesus. See, for followers of Jesus, the resurrection shows that your debt of sin is paid in full. Your past sins, your present sins, and the sins you haven't committed yet, but you're going to recover. So if Jesus is not going to hold that over on you, then, who, then why are you letting this stop you from stepping into the vision that God has for you? If you think about this year coming into 2018, um, what would it look like if you embraced grace? What would that look like for you? I just have three things for you real quick. You'd find freedom. You would have more love. You would have more compassion. And you would find humility. See, I cannot think of a better way to step into 2018 than being free from the bondage of sin, to be free from guilt, to be free from shame, to be free from expectations of others, and to have more love and compassion for your spouse, for your kids, for your neighborhood, for this church be able to find humility to realize that, hey, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend to be better than you really are. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. See, to embrace grace just simply means that we realize that we'll never earn this. And you'll never work hard enough to keep it. It is a gift that Jesus Christ gives you with his perfect sinless life, his death, and his resurrection. So you need to understand about grace. Grace is more powerful than your feelings. And grace has more power than your circumstances. So if you want joy and you want peace and you want power to step into 
God's vision for your life. You've got to embrace grace. So we get ready to wrap things up this morning, bring things to a close. See, the question that everybody's got to answer today, what are you going to do with it? See, what are you going to do with grace? This is for everyone. So for followers of Jesus, when you think about your relationship with Jesus Christ, is it more about you based on your performance, that your love, that your acceptance by God is based on what you do rather than what Jesus has done for you? See, because if that's you this morning, you are in a world of trouble. Because you are putting a weight upon yourself that you simply cannot bear. In those moments when you blow it, and hey, we're all going to blow it. If we don't embrace grace, we think that Jesus' love for us is based on what we do. Those moments that we fail and we fall short, we're going to run from him and not to him. And what grace enables you to do is grace enables you to say, no, it's not about me. It's all about you. Your finished work on the cross. And you can step into what the cross gives you. Provision, peace, and purpose. Or if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, see what you can do. You can experience grace for the first time. See, you are more loved than you can possibly imagine at this moment. See, it was while you were at your very worst, uh, the things that you have done, the things that you have said that you hope no one no one, no one ever finds out about. The ace card in the back pocket, what you're taking to the grave with you. That's the moment Jesus died for you. Now that you're put on fake best. See, you need to understand that the real Jesus Christ, he died for the real you. He don't want a pretend version of you. He wants you. And that is the greatest news in the universe. It's not based on what you do and how well you perform. It is based on what Jesus Christ done for you on the cross. So what are you going to do with it? You have a chance to walk into 2018 for the vision that God has for you. But you have to embrace grace as we pray. I just want to talk to a couple of different groups this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus and if you're really honest about yourself, um, your relationship with him, who's it based on? Is it based on you or is it based on Jesus? Is it based on the grace he gives us with the cross or is it based on what you feel you have to do to earn it? You will never earn this. You will never be good enough to keep it. So the question is, do you want freedom? Do you want purpose? See, if you're missing some of these things in your life, you need to embrace grace. Because grace enables us, when we blow it, to confess sin, to repent, and step into what Jesus has for us. Because it's there. When we talk about conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's not like the accusation that Satan says, you'll never get over this. You can't do this. Conviction of the Holy Spirit says, I've got something better for you. Why don't you come back home? Let's confess Let's repent, embrace grace, and live out the vision that God has for you. See, the truth is, you know where you're at more than anybody else in your relationship with Jesus. What do you need him to speak into? See, you have this glorious opportunity to walk out the doors differently than you come in. 
Grace gives you that. Don't miss this. Or if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, again, you are more loved than you can imagine. And you don't have to pretend and following Jesus is not about rules and it's not about regulations. It's about believing for you. It's personal here. That he took your sin upon himself. Having God's wrath for that sin poured out on him, killing him. And then three days raising back to life to show that your debt was paid in full. So that you could be adopted into the family of God as a daughter or a son. That's how much you're loved today. And grace says, all you got to do is believe I've done it for you. So if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I just invite you um, to say this prayer. It's not magic words, but it may help verbalize what God's doing in your heart. And it's just for simply say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save me. It's that simple. The question is, did you do it? I'm going to count to three, and I just invite you just to shoot your hand up because you made the greatest decision of your life. And that's to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. One, two, three. Is that you today? Everybody look at me. Um, I want to thank you guys so much. Um, it's always great when you get the chance to come back home. Um, see, my goal was, a lot of goals, I want to do something so profound here, and I want to get you out before 12 o'clock so that you have the first seats at lunch. So you can say, well, I don't know. Mark goes, hey, how do you do? Well, he got it. We got out early. It's always good to get out early. So when you see Mark, talk good about me. All right? He's my boss. I love my job. All right, but thank you guys so much. Hey, um, we are one church, two locations. We pray for you in Whitesburg. Pray for us um, because when people get saved in Whitesburg, it's a win for us at Summit Community Church. Same way it is here. We celebrate with you. We're thankful for you, and have a great day. I get to see Tim every week at staff meetings, but you guys don't get to, to see him as often. I don't always talk as good to him as I probably should, but we do appreciate him, and I love all the things that's going on in Whitesburg right now. Today, Joey McKinney actually preached over there today. So that is a, that's a really big deal to, to see all that's, that's going on in Whitesburg and to see how people are um, growing and being changed. Now is the time of our service for us to do offering. So if all of our ushers can get into place. And um, I'm sure that a lot of you guys have been watching on Facebook and stuff with the updates about the building. So we are on the downward slope now. We are so very close. So one of the big purchases that we are getting ready to make are chairs. So we are buying 500 chairs and they are $35 each. So if you would like to make a, a donation to Impact today, then that would go towards the purchase of those chairs. If you didn't come prepared to do that today, you can do that online or you can download the app and, uh, and you can give to Impact through that. And stick around while the guys take up the offering because i got a few things to tell you um, while they're doing that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everybody that is here today. Lord, thank you for everyone that is giving, whether it be here in this service or it's online. Lord, I just pray for uh, the students and everybody as they are traveling and coming back home from, from their winter retreat. And we are so excited, Lord, to hear how you have um, worked in their lives while they have been down there. Lord, I thank you for um, 
for everybody that served here with us today. I thank you for Tim. I thank you for, um, for everything that you're doing in Whitesburg, Lord. And I just pray that you will bless this offering and you will lead us and guide us in, um, in ways to, to do things with this offering that we could not even imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight, there is no students because the students are actually uh, on their way home um, from the retreat. So they're going to be here sometime this afternoon. So, uh, so there will be no students tonight, but next week they will be back on regular schedule. Something else that I wanted to tell you guys about, Summit 101 will be happening again on February the 11th. I'm pretty sure that's the second Sunday in February. If you have never came to Summit One-on-One, I would encourage you to attend that, whether you're new here or not. It is a great way to learn how to get connected, to learn about the history of Summit and exactly what we're all about and what we believe in. And uh, it's an opportunity to meet Mark and get to talk to him and get any questions answered that you might have. So I would encourage you to come to that. If today is your first time or your second time, make sure you visit the welcome area and you get your free gift. If you... Fill out your card, too, if you make any kind of decisions or something. If you didn't get a chance to drop it in the offering basket, then you can just take it out there to the welcome area, too. If you want to keep up with Summit and find out about things that we're doing, then you need to download our app. It is available for your iPhone and for your Android. And so the band's going to play us out. You guys are dismissed. i